Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan, and today I'm sitting down for a discussion with MJ Kuhn, international best-selling author of Among Thieves and its sequel, Thick as Thieves, which will be releasing on July 25th. MJ, thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule to come on the podcast. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> so first off, I like to ask everyone we interview this specific question. What are you reading right now? Yeah, so right now, I'm actually, I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy of um, Genevieve Gornachek's newest book. So I don't know if you've read The Witch's Heart. It's very good. So so Genevieve does a lot of, um, she's very interested in like Norse culture, culture, Norse mythology, things like that. Um, so The Witch's Heart was a retelling of a sto- the story of Angraboda, which is Loki's, one of Loki's wives and like the mother of monsters. So like, I'm not even going to try to pretend like I can say the names of the snake and stuff, but like Fenrir is one of uh, Angraboda's children, right? Yeah. Um, This story, it's called The Weaver and the Witch Queen, and it's just a different um, story. It is not mythology, I don't believe. I'm not that far into it yet, but it's very good. Um, It's called, yeah, Weaver and the Witch Queen. It follows um, the story of three girls that like basically get a bad prophecy um, when they're young. And they take like all these different paths and stuff. Um, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. It's really, really good so far. So I'm loving it. Yeah, Norse stuff is really in right now. Like that seems to be uh, one of the more popular. It, it's, I feel like we switched kind of from typical Western European medieval fantasy. We kind of like went up north a little bit, you know? Right. Let's yeah, check exactly. Check out some of that stuff. <laughs> let's check out some Viking culture. Yeah, exactly. I just started The Faithful and the Fallen. I don't know if you've read those before. I haven't. It's it's like heavy on my TBR, though, because everyone that I know loves the same books that I love tells me how much I need to read it. You know what I mean? It's so cool. It's like it's like a little long winded, but I'm here for it. I'm fine. I'm really fine with it. It's like this guy just sat down and he was like, all right, let's get in. He just cracked his knuckles. and It's like, all right, <laughs> everybody take a breather, everyone. I'm going to take over from here. Right. Really I'm cool. going in. <laughs> I, I'm really interested in this book, The Witch's Heart. Yeah, you should check it out. It's really, really good. I read it when it, because it, so Genevieve is in my debut class, <laughs> like as though it's like a school thing. Um, so like, I also know her a bit and she's just like a delightful human, um, which makes me like the books more. But yeah, so I read it um, when it came out because it debuted around the same time as mine. Um, yeah, so good. Would recommend it to anyone that enjoys, um, really just like, uh, Madeline Miller, you know, kind of that beautiful prose and a mythology retelling. Um, it's very much the same vibes, but with, with the Norse mythology. Maybe like similar to Naomi Novik. Yeah. Yeah. In that same like family, totally. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> so I just recently finished Among Thieves and it was such a ride. I mean, I finished it in one day. You're bouncing around from <laughs> character to character. There's never a dull moment. And for you listening, if you haven't had the pleasure of reading Among Thieves, it is a heist novel on its surface, but there's this added <laughs> bonus at the outset, uh, which sees everyone involved pretty ready to totally turn in on each other and murder each other and get theirs. Um, and I feel like with heist stories, that nugget is kind of there, that potential is kind of there, but I, th- I really loved how you explored that. I thought that was such an awesome idea and kind of like, you know, just freshened up that heist story. Uh, it's got snappy dialogue. It's dark as hell. It's it's awesome. Um, but I've got some questions about it. And uh, I'm, yeah. I'm curious, did you set out to write a heist novel here? Or did you have like a sort of main cast like an ensemble cast figured out and then decide to toss them into this specific situation 
So that question is actually like surprisingly hard for me to answer. Okay. So when I went into starting to write Among Thieves, I definitely wanted to write a heist, but Among Thieves was only born because I created the world of Timor and the magic system and stuff in a different project that was like a total bomb. (laughs) It didn't work. Right. I only made it like 50 K words into the project before I was just like, ah, this is just like not hitting it's not the vibe um which for anyone that's read among thieves that story originally took place uh, or took was from the perspective of one of the children that's taken to the island and you know them going through that that process and it just it was too dark it was really doom and gloom yeah i can <laughs> see how I, it would be actually yeah <laughs> that and that's the thing because it was it, you know yeah. a scary world from the perspective of a scared child um and so i decided instead to do okay we got the scary really dark world and let's instead look at it from the perspective of um a bunch of adults that don't care about can i can i swear on this yeah, show that's fine Okay, a bunch of adults that don't give a fuck, right? Like they just like really are just completely over everything. (laughs) And it just, I feel like that irreverence made the darker elements a little easier to take. Um, But yeah, so basically I knew I liked the magic system I'd created, but I needed a different story. And I had always wanted to write a heist story. Um, Lies of Locke Lamora, Gentleman Bastard series is like one of my favorites. Um, And so since I'd read that in high school, I'd always wanted to write a heist. And I was like, this is the perfect opportunity. Let's do it. (laughs) I can see kind of like based on the way the characters kind of interact with each other and kind of observe things. I can I can see a little Scott Lynch in there for sure. I'll take that as a huge compliment. Well, that's like I always I'm like I have only one person has told me they've picked up on this before. But like even the world name Tamor is a not so subtle nod to come on yeah (laughs) Yeah. i'm like i gotta put it in there because it's like this is literally why i wrote this book is because i loved um you know lies of black lamore in that series so much so i want the fourth scott lynch book so bad i'm begging for it someday we'll get it eventually maybe he's putting out like a little novelette or something this year I, i guess he was really in some like mental dire straits there for a little while i heard and just like going through a divorce and stuff and um, just you know how personal stuff can just get yeah. in the way of the whole creative oh energy. absolutely siphon the energy from the creative part of your brain yeah. and then you need to take care of you know your health first so the sequel thick as thieves is the conclusion to this story right yes yep it's just a duology so you won't get stuck waiting for book three four five whatever thank you um, for that I no more cliffhangers <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, it there is ends. a decent one. There's a pretty decent cliffhanger at the end <laughs> of Among Thieves, where I was like, yeah. wait, what? I, I had to like turn the page back and I was like, oh no. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, the thing is, my publisher originally billed Among Thieves as a standalone. Uh, it was never meant to be a standalone. I had planned it as a duology from the start. And uh, by the time Among Thieves came out, uh, Thickest Thieves was already written and all this stuff. It was just like some logistical stuff at my publishing house that we hadn't you know, put pen to paper and announced that it was coming. And so I kept seeing reviews back when I was still foolishly reading my own reviews uh, that were like, you know, I, you know, three stars because I really liked it, but this is a standalone and it doesn't end. And I was like, I know, I'm so sorry. It's coming. I promise. (laughs) I'm excited for it. Like I love a good duology. And yeah, I mean, I I mean, not, not to make everybody jealous, but I have the sequel on my desk. So. Right. You're like, ha ha. I got (laughs) it early. One of the perks of being told you're stupid every day for a living, you know? <laughs> oh, the life of internet. <laughs> internet people. 
And was Among Thieves, uh, you kind of already answered this question, but was Among Thieves and like this world of Timor the first project that you had worked on uh, in a writing capacity? Or do you have a bunch of other projects that you had kind of been, you know, it's like hit or miss, this isn't going to work kind of thing before this? Oh, yeah. So I had a journey <laughs> to Let's get to Timor. My debut. Um, so I wrote the first book I ever wrote, and I actually wrote a whole trilogy back in 2014. Yeah. Uh, and I like, you know, went through beta readers and did the whole thing. And then I finished it and I was like, oh, well, I want to get this published, but like I should probably figure out how to do that. Um, so then I started researching and figuring out what I needed to do. And I that's when I fell into the querying trenches, right? The query trenches trying to find an agent. And um, you know, I went in cocky, ready to go, and yeah. I just got bitch slapped like <laughs> like i mean and looking back at the project it was with good reason right it wasn't very strong i you know i i didn't know how to write books yet i was still learning um and so you know going in trying to trying to get representation i just got all form rejections like not even any requests nothing um well, not even so any then, like review and resubmit oh or... nothing Ooh, yeah just wow. like boom form form rejection form <laughs> rejection over and over again and like literally like oh i was shaken to my core yeah so that didn't work out <laughs> and i decided to go back and i wrote another book and then i was like no not good enough or another book no not good enough i didn't even like query those two because i was like no i can tell like and then you know you start getting in your head um and then i decided to write a ya dystopian Mm -hmm. um part of the journey as one does right? <laughs> yeah. as one does and uh i queried and i actually did get my first agent um with that ya dystopian um and we took it on submission and it was on submission for a year and we pulled it because it never sold um so depending on like how you count because i always lose track of how many books it was because there was like the trilogy and then technically the next book was like me taking that idea and reworking it into another one like standalone and blah 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 whatever among thieves is like the fifth or sixth or fourth whatever probably fifth ish book that i wrote <laughs> wow that's a so lot yeah and in all different worlds right um so yeah takes a take took me a little while but i feel like it's worth it and it's so funny because i get questions a lot of time from people that don't write where they're like oh well now that you have a you know foot in the door in publishing are you gonna go back and try to get those published and i'm like <laughs> no they're terrible <laughs> no those are garbage <laughs> exactly like i don't want my name on that on a spine forever are you kidding me um do you feel like and also i've like cannibalized them for parts yeah, I was going to ask. I've like, been cannibalizing them. Oh, okay, cool. Yep. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, do you feel like they're salvageable in any way where you could, like, is there some kind of, like, thing in there or are you just you throwing yeah. it in the trash? I mean, most of it gets thrown in the trash, but, like, I do. So, uh, actually, Raya is a repurposed character that appeared in my very first project ever. Huh. Um, so, and then, you know, I'll, most of it. So, I hate writing fight sequences. Like, I just really hate it. Uh, and I wrote a lot of them in that first trilogy that I wrote because it was like, you know, basically Lord of the Rings fan fiction uh, <laughs> with like battles and Love stuff. It. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I I have cannibalized a lot of the fight sequences that I already wrote and like repurposed them with like different weapons or like changing the choreography slightly or whatever, but just using it as a base. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I always say like, you know, to, to people that are writing and maybe stuck in the query trenches or whatever. Um it's never like wasted time when it's a book, even if that book never gets published or you never decide to publish it, right? If you go the indie route, 
it's always you're a you're learning how to write b you're learning your own processes right whether you want to outline or whether you're a discovery writer da 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 whatever all that stuff uh, but also you can always mine it for parts there's always going to be little gems in there even if the whole project doesn't work so yeah that's what i'm always telling myself like <laughs> right <laughs> Just, we have to right because get in there everything takes so long and it's yeah that's what i always do also feel like it sounds like a depressing story when i'm like oh my god i was in the query trenches for like four years and i did this and that and the other thing and i wrote all these books and i'm like i feel like it should be like a almost like promising because then if someone yeah. you know has just written their first book and it's not hitting no one is picking it up it's not like it's over right like no. oh, it's over i'll never be a writer because no one wants this book um they might want the next one, right? So, yeah, and you can take what you learned from, you know, especially if you get some very valuable insight from either agents or um, publishers or beta readers or your yeah. friends that read it or whatever. Um, I mean, like, I've definitely shown stuff to people and they're just like, man, this is just not, no, like, this is not hitting. <laughs> like, this is so tightly wound and so. Like, what's even, why do I, why, why should I care about this? And I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good point, actually. Yeah, like, why should you care about this? You know? <laughs> well, it's a, like whenever I get beta reader feedback, I give them to like the most brutal people that I know, like with love, right? That, but I know they'll be honest mm -hmm. with me. And then anytime I get feedback, I give myself between five and 24 hours of what I call butthurt time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's when I get to be butthurt and feel sad about the feedback. And yeah. then I don't respond to the person that sent me the feedback at all in that time or start working on it. I just give myself a little bit of time to be butthurt um, because the reason why I'm feeling butthurt is because they're right, <laughs> like, Yeah, you know, and then I have to come to terms with that. <laughs> what is that? Like, there's like a famous quote that's like, I can't, I can't remember. I think it was like Neil Gaiman or I can't remember who said it, but somebody said, um, when you're getting feedback, they are right about their feelings about what they think needs yep. to change, but then you decide like what to change, you know, and how to exactly. do it. Exactly. You know? Well, and that's the thing too, because I get questions a lot, uh, you know, when I'm talking to, you know, newer writers or whatever that are like, okay, well, if you give the book to three different people and they all give different feedback, how do I know which advice to take and which advice not to? And some of it is your gut. Um, but a lot of it is like just looking at the subtext of what they're saying right because yeah. they might say this scene isn't working and you're like i know that scene slaps i'm not cutting <laughs> that scene right yeah. but what really isn't working is three chapters before right that setup mm. the thing that would make that scene actually slap right uh and i feel like a lot of taking feedback is being able to kind of suss out those um those things that are not said but are actually true for the project i don't know ultimately it's still your book right so do what you want with it <laughs> yeah but i mean people it's so funny like stuff i've um shown people i've gotten feedback before where it's just like it's something that i just didn't even think of like at all i wasn't even in the same yeah. universe as thinking about this thing that is now so obvious it's such a huge plot hole it's such a huge issue uh, or it's a very small issue that can be changed really quickly. That's just like, oh yeah, why are they standing right? Th why is yeah. this done up right now? When Those I are my favorite feedback, by the way, when people are like, <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. This is so nitpicky. And I'm like, nope, that's nope. my favorite. I'll fix that in four <laughs> seconds. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> the worst one is like, well, why would they do this? And it's like, 
damn it i don't know right. <laughs> it's like because they have to to get to the next plot point and then there wouldn't <laughs> be a story leave me alone right. um so when Ooh. you're writing do you do you typically like to outline your stories do you do that very thoroughly or do you just kind of like have an idea and you go for it so i am actually in the middle of like a writer crisis at the moment because okay historically i am an outliner like to the point that um so on uh i, I also do a, a book podcast and my co-host so the podcast is called sff addicts um and my co-host adrian is always making fun of me for how intensely i outline um because i i outline using microsoft excel um generally oh wow yeah so it's like type <laughs> a as fuck uh but <laughs> <laughs> so I'll have columns for every plot, subplot, and character arc, and then rows for every scene. And then I fill in the boxes so I can, and then I color code the boxes, and then I can zoom out and see where things are thin, right? So it's like, oh my God, I haven't touched on this character arc in 15 scenes. That's a problem, even if it's a more minor character, right? Um, and it just lets me see, you know, those issues before it becomes a big tangle word mess of a draft, uh, when it's a lot harder to, to parse that and figure out how to fix it. Um, that has been my process since I wrote Among Thieves, um, which for reference, since writing Among Thieves, I have written five other projects. Oh, wow. Um, and so, yeah, I got a lot in the hopper. That's good. I was going <laughs> to uh, ask you yes. about that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, I've used that process and it's worked great. And the book I'm working on right now, though, it's defeating that process. It's not working. Um, and so I'm actually discovery writing oh. for the first time in like a long time. Uh, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm having a really good time. Um, I mean, I do still have an outline, but it's much more bare bones. It's much more general ideas. And I'm deviating from it uh, regularly and, you know, exploring. Uh, to, like I added a point of view on the fly. Mm. Um and just was like, chapter three, you know what? I think I'd like to go to this part of the world and listen to what this person has to say. Um, so yeah, I would say I'm an outliner, but um, maybe, I think it's, I think it was Chuck Wendig um, when we talked to him on, on our show that was like, every book is a new beast, totally. right? Yeah. Where it's like, you have a process for yourself as a writer, but you also have a process for every book. Um, and like he was talking about, uh, I don't know if you've read um, Wanderers and Wayward. Mm -mm. Oh my gosh, they're incredible. Yeah, I've heard I such uh, good things about him. I would yeah. recommend like Wayward is one of like three books ever that made me actually cry. Uh, yeah. It's very good. Um, but yeah, he said he basically Wayward was the book that defeated all his processes, uh, and he wrote it. He said he wrote it in like a fugue state. He felt like where like he <laughs> wouldn't even barely remember what he'd done, and he wasn't outlining and da da da. Um, so I do feel like that happens sometimes and it's hard to be flexible, especially when you are aggressively type A like I am. Um, but I'm learning to be flexible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I really like that though. Like every book is its own beast, like everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I think at this point where I've written um, five books since okay. I started really trying and um and then another one that's like really long that's just like a total mess and like i i think i have had like a pretty different approach to like yeah. all of them and i don't think i've really landed even yet on something that's like okay this is how i do it now you know right like, like this, this is, is my process and no. see i thought i had with among thieves which again was my fifth book ish yeah. <laughs> and then 
Mm, nope. Maybe it's every five books it changes. Yeah, maybe. It's like when <laughs> maybe every that's seven the rule. years all the cells in your body is changed <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> there like you go. That's maybe that's we've we're onto something here, I think. <laughs> so you also make book related content on social media, which is actually how we got in touch and we've been friends yeah. for a little while on there. And how has that been for you both as an author and a person who loves reading? You can be um, honest. It's okay. I know. Making <laughs> book-related content. Right? It's, you know, it's. I have a, a love-hate relationship with TikTok. <laughs> um, so I, it's where my largest platform is. And I'm super grateful for the platform that I have on there. It's a surprise. I didn't have any idea that I was going to be able to find mm -hmm. that many people with like just the same type of nerdiness that I have that would relate to the content that I'm putting out. Um, but it is really hard to consistently to put out quality content that I'm proud of can as consistently as the algorithm wants me to, to push my videos out. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. um, cause particularly, so like the series that I have that, um, is the most popular is I'll take a video game and I'll say, if you liked this game, you should check out this book. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so fun. And I, the comments I've gotten on those series, I love so much because it'll be people that are like, I haven't read a book since English class in high school. And I picked up this book because you recommended it and I loved uh, it. Yes. Um, and like, I'm like, yes, I'm bringing you back into the reading fold. It can yes. be fun. We don't just read Jane Eyre, you know, or whatever. Um, <laughs> no hate to Jane Eyre, but <laughs> not everybody likes it. Um, but yeah, so it's great. But it's like to make one of those recommendation videos, I have to play a game and read a book like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i mean oh, totally. and then like yeah. some of the times like people will be requesting recs for games that aren't really in my wheelhouse mm -hmm. um like red dead redemption i don't read a lot of westerns mm -hmm. so i had to like actually read three or four westerns before i was like okay this one i feel like it's a good comp for and so it just takes so much time um and it's just really hard to consistently put out content um when that's the process <laughs> so you know is. yeah i i mean i i really like it it's like stuff i'd be saying anyway if i had like roommates that read a lot or yeah. whatever but it's but i get to do it in a different way where i'm like oh i just read this this is really cool and then getting that feedback you know from a community is really nice um even if people disagree and they're like that book sucked like i don't it doesn't really bother yeah. me well too that's much. the thing where it's like i feel like as long as people are I don't know, because no book is for everyone. You know what I mean? Like I've had times where yeah. people will, they'll come. And I, I've kind of stopped commenting back just because like mm -hmm. it's don't, so much work. <laughs> yeah. uh, but like don't people will comment and they'll be like, this book has nothing to do with this video game. Oh, and yeah, this is the best. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's just that's like fine. Your opinion, don't read man. it then. I'm not your mom. Like, <laughs> I know I, I am. So I've had a couple videos where I've compared uh, Name of the Wind to Harry Potter. And every now and then I get somebody in the comments that's like pretty riled up. They're pretty upset that I compared <laughs> Name of the Wind to a children's book. And they're like, how, like, what are you, what world are you living in? How could you possibly? And it's like, I'm so, I'm so sorry to ruin this for you, but it's about a, an orf, a, a kid who's orphaned by a like demonic cabal of dark wizards. And then he goes <laughs> to magic school. He has an arch, a rich arch nemesis. He has a teacher that hates him for seemingly no reason. Like, what are you not seeing? I don't understand like why this is, and it's, it's so I, I used to kind of clap back to those comments, but yeah, I've kind of just 
I don't know. I think I think some people just have like genuinely different opinions than you, and that's totally yeah. fair. And it gets kind of lost in translation a little bit because it's all through text. Like if you were sitting down yes. talking to that person, it'd be a much the tone of that conversation would be a lot less like aggressive. I feel like, but with, with text, I always have to kind of slow myself down a little bit because it's like I'm not in that person's head. If you clap back because you assumed the tone that they were taking, now obviously sometimes. People Sometimes would, it's very clear. People would be really horrible. <laughs> but I just yeah. block those. I just block those people. I just kind so. of assume those people are probably 13-year-olds. And Maybe. Yeah. I think they're and, bored. I mean, and even if they're not, they're acting like it. So I'm going to ignore them. I think that like <laughs> like 99% of the time, um, and this is just my experience. I mean, I, I am uh, like just like a white dude. Like it's, I'm very like non... <laughs> There's nothing really at most my face is like i'll give you five dollars if you ask me you know what i mean like that's <laughs> that's just kind of like my general resting demeanor. nice face totally. i like to call yeah. it yes so, um, <laughs> like most of my most of my interactions are pretty cool but um i just yeah i mean like once once if a video goes viral or something it can get a little stressful yes. because then you've kind of like branched out of like your normal kind of audience and now yeah. you've got people that are seeing you for the first time and don't really know what your vibe is and they're just like uh-uh nope I saw this. You said a thing. I don't like the thing. So right? here I am. And now know? I hate you. Well, that's yeah. like, I always feel like that about Twitter. Like people will talk about how Twitter is such a hell site and it's just so toxic and awful. And I'm always like, Twitter's not that bad. Like everyone's pretty chill. <laughs> You're in a nice but little then I do. I have a tweet that goes viral and then I'm like, oh, that's right. Ooh, wow. Oh my God. <laughs> like I forgot when I leave my little corner where it's just mm -hmm. like a bunch of book nerds talking yeah. about fantasy novels um yeah it, it, it it's pretty awful out there <laughs> yeah but i mean i i would i would say that you know and i'm sure you feel the same like the benefit of being able to interact with so many like-minded people like far outweighs any negative um comments or anything because and this is again just my experience because i know that some people have it like really hard you know what i mean like some oh, people yeah. like they 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 post stuff and they're just getting hate immediately for stuff that they can't control about themselves and it's just, it's just really terrible but one thing that is really awesome is the block button i love the block yeah. button it's <laughs> a beautiful in invention if the, if the block button had <laughs> lips i would ask very nicely if they would like a kiss and i would give them a kiss <laughs> like I, I, would, I would take the block button on a very fun date we would go put googly eyes on stuff <laughs> They would never forget that date. I, I, it would be the, <laughs> I would make sure the block button had an it. unforgettable right. light. So now we need to write a cozy sci-fi romance between <laughs> you and the block, block button, button is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I, yeah. I always say, I always quote um, Alice in Wonderland uh, and say, so sometimes I, uh, I block as many as six people before breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes because... you have to. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I feel like certain types of media are a little bit different. Like video games seem to be just a little more uh, harsh, you know, like just the community. Yep. I don't know what it is exactly about it, but with books, um, with any real, with any media, you're going to find that um, people take it very seriously and they should. It's a, it's a thing to take seriously sometimes, especially if you identify with something and it's like had a really big impact on your life. Yeah. So like, that I always try to like keep that in mind as much as possible when there's any discourse going on. It's like, okay, before you block this person or get really upset and like run around your house being mad that someone left a comment, just remember <laughs> like that person might've been in a bind or like in a really dark place yeah. or something. And then like, you just kind of said you didn't like the thing 
that they really really love and it's like maybe they're not reacting very emotionally mature about it but like still it's coming from like a place of love and stuff and like i don't know right it, it, it is like i can be forgiving and understand yeah yep. yeah i i, I generally just that's why i don't talk about the books that will there's two reasons why i don't talk about books i don't enjoy yeah. um if I don't enjoy a book, I'll just, I mean, I'm a big proponent of DNFing if a book's not for you. So I probably just will not finish it. Um, and then just set it aside because it's not for me and that's fine. Um, I, there's two reasons. So one is I, I love to love things is what I like to say. So like my default is I'm going to look for the positives and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, whether it's a book or like the newest, you know, this newer Star Wars movies or, you know, whatever, like things that people <laughs> love to hate on. You know, I, I like to look for the positives and focus on the good parts of art if I can. Um, but also, like, I forget who said this, um, but there was another author that was like leaving as an author, relieving one star reviews for a book is like walking up to your colleague and saying you fucking suck at your job to their face. <laughs> and I heard that and was like, oh, no. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that not everyone feels that way about it. Uh, but I've just been anxious about that ever since hearing yeah, someone imagine. say that. And so yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to talk about books that I don't enjoy. Um, because like, what if I meet that author someday? And like, you know, it's not that I'm, you know, would hate on their craft or whatever. If a book's not for me, that doesn't mean it's bad. And I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to say anything if I don't like it. You kind of told a bunch of people about it. <laughs> you exactly. might it so I'm like, I'm just not going to say anything if I didn't like it. I just, I'm going to quietly fade away. <laughs> I think you can do it as long as you're as long as you're consistent as a reviewer about the things yeah. that you typically don't really like and then you can kind of fit that into the mold that you that you that you created as a reviewer so that you can maintain a certain consistency with your audience so it's like for me personally like I don't typically enjoy lots of politics like I like politics but if it's if it's like a book that's centered on politics where it's just people walking into rooms and talking to each other yeah just it's like, just not gonna be for you yeah um, so like uh I have now publicly said I didn't like A Memory Called Empire by Arcady Martin um and if I met Arcady Martin I wouldn't be like hey by the way that right. book you wrote was so right. no but like right. I I feel like as a you know, as a as a person who enjoys books and critiques them and stuff, I have a yeah. certain consistency that I've been very transparent about and said, you know, I personally don't really like this kind of stuff. And so when I read it and talk about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I thought it was boring because, I mean, as you all know, I don't really like it when it was good. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure a all lot about of people, tone. Right. Yeah. So, But if I went, uh, <laughs> but if I made a video and I was like, you know what book sucks is this one. OK, <laughs> like, don't read it. Don't even touch this book because it's bad like objectively you know like that's like a whole right well thing. you'll see creators that do that which again there's nothing wrong with that and like it's just not what i i would be nervous to do that or whatever um i've gotten yeah. lots of arguments um <laughs> on and off the internet with like close friends of mine who are really into art uh and you know people on the internet about like <laughs> like objectivity and subjectivity in regard yeah. to like critiquing stuff and i lie very much on the side of like at some point it boils down to subject like you can't you are not the arbiter of quality it doesn't matter like how for much, sure like i and it, i think people take a very um kind of like antagonistic uh, approach to that philosophy because they're like well if if everything is nothing and everything's subjective then nothing means anything and no art is actually good and it's like kind of you know what i mean like right it's kind of what true, that means though, right you know, i mean in my that's opinion what, I mean, everything is so subjective and that's why yeah. like 
my favorite piece of advice that I give to like any debut author that I talk to is, I mean, well, don't read your own reviews, but you're going to because I'm a realist. Everyone does, right? You're going to, at least at first. (laughs) Um, If you do read your own reviews and they make you sad, which they will at some point because no book is for everyone. Everyone gets one stars. Um, Go to the Goodreads page of like your favorite book, a book that blew your fucking mind. The book that made you read it and go, oh my God, I have such imposter syndrome. I'll never write anything this good. (laughs) And read their one-star reviews. Not in like a, you know, ha-ha, vindictive sort of way, but in a, this reminds me that somebody hates everything, right? Yeah, I I was telling my, uh, I was talking to my brother, like we talk all the time. He's my twin brother. He's he's a, um, He's like an audiophile. He loves vinyl. He loves records. Uh, okay. He's constantly listening to music. And um, we were talking and um, I was just like, ah, you know, like ah, imposter syndrome. Like, I don't know if uh, everyone's going to hate this. And he's like, man, there's people that don't like the strokes. Like there's people that hate <laughs> the strokes. And I was like, right? man, that's totally true. And it's someone listening right now is like, yeah, I hate the strokes. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> the strokes exactly, suck. Exactly. Uh, but it's just like an interesting thing to think about, you know, because there's stuff that is just like it's it struck such a chord with you, and yeah. then you see this reaction, and and it's not even, you know, there's there's a lot of different kinds of negative critique, right? There's negative critique that's like that, like a, like kind of in the same vein of what I was saying before, where it was like this is so bad, I'm gonna throw up, and nobody should ever read it, kind of thing. <laughs> But then right. there's like this other critique, which I think is really valuable, uh, yeah. which is like, here is why I had an issue with this. And that's awesome. Like, I'll, I'll listen to a three hour video essay tearing apart something that I loved if they've got good yeah. like critiques behind it. You know, even if I disagree with those critiques, it's like interesting, you know, because like oh, my, 100%. My, my approach when I first started posting stuff on TikTok was like, okay. I'm just going to only say really nice things about books. It's going to keep it all positive up in here. And then I kept thinking about it and I was like, why would somebody watch that? Like, why, well, why would somebody keep, why would somebody yeah. come back to keep watching it? If like, it's like, well, this guy just likes everything he reads. Like there's no, right. So why would they read. trust your recommendations? I also right. do feel like a bad review quote in air quotes here, um, since we're on audio only, um, can actually help the book find the right audience. Like literally the reason why I bought Six of Crows like a billion years ago uh, was because I read a review that was a one-star review where the person said, there's no good guys in this book. And I was like, fuck yeah, sign <laughs> me up, awesome. right? And that's the <laughs> that's thing where it's like, it, if someone reads the book and it's not for them, um, like I've I've had the Among Thieves gets comped to Throne of Glass a lot. Hmm. Um, and I am always very puzzled when that happens. I think it's because the main character is a assassin and a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And of course, like one part of me is like, wow, Sarah J. Moss is a huge audience. I would love to tap into that. But the other part of me is like, if people are coming to Among Thieves looking for, you know, spice and romanticy and that they're not going to find it and they're going to hate it. Mm-hmm. Um or maybe not hate it. I hope they don't hate it. But you know what I mean? They're not going to get what they thought they were getting. Um, so I have seen some one star reviews that are things like, you know, this was comped to Throne of Glass and it's not anything like Throne of Glass. And I don't mind that because then to me, it's like, OK, well, if, if another fan sees it, I don't want them to read a book that they're not going to like. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hope that it helps it find its correct audience. Um, 
by readers being able to filter through. I've never heard that take before. I really like that because, I mean, if somebody was looking for a book that felt like Throne of Glass but didn't have the romanticy element to it, Right. They just found a book they want to read. Then maybe yeah. they'd like it based on that one star review, right? That's really so that's I'm always yeah. like, you know, yes, I, you know, I would love for my Goodreads star ratings to just all be five stars because my ego would love that. Mm -hmm. um, but like ultimately, that's not how book reviews work. And I think there's value uh, as the author and, you know, as as readers and in all different types of reviews, good and bad. Does it stress you out knowing that there are people right now reading this book? <laughs> Like you know what it used to really bad and they have expectations for the next one and everything yeah oh yeah we get that question a lot where it's like oh was it really hard to write book two because you know you have the pressure from people reading book one uh and i did like get a little bit of a cheat <laughs> um because with covid lockdowns and stuff uh so among these was originally supposed to publish in 2020 and then it got pushed back to not even just 2021 but like late 2021 so it got pushed back over a full year um and so by the time it came out, I'd already finished writing Thick as Thieves. So oh, it was like, cool. I got to write it with no pressure because oh. nobody had read the first one yet. <laughs> so, I mean, in the promo period, I do, like, I am still nervous. Like, I do have people that liked the first book and I don't want to disappoint them in the second one. Mm -hmm. um, but at least I didn't have to feel that fear while I was trying to write it, <laughs> which did help. So <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe I'm taking a wrong tack here, but even if you do disappoint people, it's like you did the thing that made sense to you. If it's a flop, you write another book. I don't think it's going right. to be a flop personally, but it's like you are, you are, this is your craft. Like the, you're an artist, you know, like it's such a relieving feeling knowing like this is a marathon, you know, like this. Yes. Is, like, well, that is the thing. There's always another chance. There's always another book. And, you know, I was actually just having this conversation with um, Ed McDonald's, the daughter of Redwinter, those books um, the other day. And, uh, you know, it was when you put the book out there, it's a scary thing, but it's a beautiful thing that it, it's no longer wholly yours. Mm -hmm. Like it, yeah. it, you put out, all you can do is cause his, his point that he had been making was like, you don't write just to please the audience because then you're not going to put out anything that, mm. you know, you can't yeah. please everyone. Uh, and I wholeheartedly agree with that take, uh, you know, and just adding to it. It's like, once you put it out there, people are going to read things out of the book that you didn't mean to be there. And sometimes those things are good things that you're like, oh, wow, I'm so glad they got that from this. I didn't even mean to do that, but that's beautiful. Sometimes it's like, oh, no, 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 I didn't mean that at all. <laughs> and you want to like correct it, but you can't yeah. because it's art. And like the it's the beautiful and scary thing about creating art is that it is interpretive. Every person is bringing their own experiences to the book as a reader. Um, and so they will take things the way you meant or maybe not. And that's not your business, quite honestly, your business as the writer is to put out the best thing you can and hope it finds the audience that it will click with. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's not though, right? Know, it's yeah, like other people's that, opinion yeah. of me is none of my business. It's my business to put out a book that is the best I can produce and delivers on what I wanted to set up and makes me proud as an author and will resonate with people who, you know, are the right audience for it. It's going to find a lot of people that are the wrong audience and that sucks, but it's okay. <laughs> I was in, I was playing music for a really long time and like putting uh, albums out and stuff with my band. And um, I remember like the first time I saw like negative criticism about my music, I was like heartbroken. It was so mm -hmm. brutal. Like it was so 
I was like 22 and just didn't even, I wasn't yeah. not prepared mentally for it. And um, like it, I wish that like at the time that I had been a little bit more like mentally equipped to handle it because I, it really did just bum me out for like, yeah. <laughs> like weeks. I just couldn't oh, yeah. stop thinking about it. I completely understand. Cause that's how, I mean, like I would, my husband would come home from work and find me crying in the closet when I was querying. Right. Totally. Because like, you know, you're not equipped, but the, <laughs> the shitty part is the only way to become equipped is through you know, repetition and of that blunt force trauma. <laughs> uh, and that's, you know, that's the only way. <laughs> it's like building a callus, right? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like dating almost, you know what I mean? Where, <laughs> I mean, like you kind of have to, you kind of do have to develop like this kind of like self-reliant, like tough exterior uh, yeah. where we're like, if you start, if you take every single thing personally, you're just right. never gonna make any progress because you're gonna be mired in like just catastrophizing, like oh, I'm such a it's terrible be person, a... and I'm never gonna. <laughs> You'd be having better. a midlife crisis every day forever. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's definitely, um, you know, I think it's a I think it's and for everybody listening too that's creating stuff. I mean, like just doing it at all and feeling any sense of it being even in the same ballpark is finished and in somewhere even close to you being satisfied with it is a huge accomplishment like that even if oh, you don't yeah. show it to anybody it's a huge accomplishment and then to go that extra step and have people engage with it man like you are you are doing what a very small percentage of people are doing oh so small right right well and i feel like too like the other thing and this is like <laughs> i'm giving all of this like uh, advice as though like i take it per perfectly every time i don't like i still get bummed I'm when sure. i see you yeah. know what i mean like if i get tagged in an instagram post by someone that hated my book or something um do people do that it's still like, like oh, frequently man. yeah that... uh, not frequently but it does happen <laughs> so like pro tip feel free to post a shit review of a book you hated totally just don't tag the author. Maybe don't <laughs> like, tag the author. That's like telling them right to their internet face that you think they suck. Um, but yeah, you know, ultimately, I would rather get that hate, though, than create something that nobody hates. Because if you create something that nobody hates, ultimately, that means that you didn't probably didn't make anyone feel anything. Um, mm, yeah. Because there's nothing that no one hates unless it's like the color beige right like you know what i mean yeah, I, it's just i kind of hate it so, <laughs> right or it's just like so blase that it's nothing right like i feel like that's the only alternative to having someone hate what you've created um i'm gonna confess something here on the air that i've never confessed before um oh man but when i was like just getting into fantasy and i was like i was like 10 years ago now or something i was i was just getting onto the fantasy subreddit I was like, I'm going to be part of this community. Um, oh boy! <laughs> I had read, I read the second book in the Mistborn trilogy, and uh, it just wasn't doing it for me. I really liked the first one. I still haven't gone back and read the whole trilogy. I'm sure it's cool, and um, but like that second book, for some reason, I think I hit like a sort of doldrums that a lot of people hit when they're reading that trilogy. Um, and it's just second books and trilogies in general. Yeah, and, frequently they have a little. But I went on Reddit, Lad. and I was like, I was like what's up with the second book in the Mistborn? What? Blah, 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 blah. And then I tagged Brandon Sanderson because he's, no! he's on Reddit. Like, <laughs> yeah. you can totally tag Brandon Sanderson on Reddit and he might see it because he's always on the fantasy subreddit. <laughs> and oh, no. um, the 
I, I ended up deleting the post, but like my, the, the knee jerk reaction from the community and deservedly so was like, dude, why are you tagging him in this? And I was like, right. in, in my like dumb brain, I was like, what's the problem here? Like, I, th- I feel like he would probably want to see, see this, you know, uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't think about it. I think, you know what I mean? And it's again, when I do get tagged and stuff, I just, I scroll on and I go on with my life. Like it's not the end of the world, but um, yeah, it is. It is. It's just Rule something I think a lot of posters don't think about, but it is. Yeah. If it's a five star or maybe a four star, <laughs> go ahead, tag away, tag away, tag your favorite author. But <laughs> otherwise, if it's not something you would say to their face at a dinner party in front of your grandmother, hmm. um, then maybe don't tag them. Beautiful. <laughs> um. So getting back into uh, the kind of like your books and in your writing and stuff, what was what was one of your biggest influences as a writer? Like what not necessarily the style that you that you kind of adopted, but what made you think like, okay, I think I can do this. I want to do it if I could just do something that's this good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that's a tough question because I I have so many of those. Um, I think. Right. You're like, let's list them all. Um, So I I mean, Tolkien is a huge influence for me in the world building Mm -hmm. uh, capacity. Like, I mean, like I literally have a tattoo of the trees of Valinor on my arm. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, so that to me was like, if I can, I mean, not if I can create a world as broad as Middle Earth, that's never going to happen. But you know what I mean? It's uh, always been something like I want to create something that makes people feel as you know, viscerally in the world, correct, as as I felt reading, you know, the, the books and even watching the films, right? Um, so that that's a that's an influence for sure. I, I did already mention Lies Lacamora, but I can't not say that that's, you know, a major influence because it absolutely was. Um, and then, you know, I come from I come from the world of reading a lot of YA. Like I I still I still love YA. Um I still read a lot of it. Um I remember reading uh, An Ember in the Ashes um, by Saba Tahir, like pretty early when I was just starting to write. And um, I actually read it on audiobook and then I bought it because I wanted to study how she'd done a bunch of stuff, right? Because just like I felt so emotionally connected to to the characters in so many different areas. Um, and which, by the way, I do that with like every book I buy on audio, <laughs> yeah. I then end up buying it. Like if I like it at all, I'm like, oh, well, now I need the physical copy so I can study it. Um, so I should just really stop reading audiobooks, but I never will. I love uh, audiobooks. Audiobooks forever. Uh, audiobooks are life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so those ones, oh, gosh, yeah, there's just so many influences that I feel like every book I've ever read has influenced me to some degree, even if I didn't like it. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I would take something and and reject, like, I know that I don't tend to, and this is like, I'm speaking, I'm painting with broad strokes here, but like you've wrote Among Thieves, you know, it is, it's been called breakneck pacing, right? It is just very nonstop, not a lot of exposition, more dialogue heavy. Um, I don't love a book that's more languid and ponderous i'll read them and sometimes i enjoy them but in general i know that i the books i've dnf'd tend to have that more like we're gonna spend some time you know describing something for a long time uh Mm -hmm. and i know i just said i like tolkien which is hilarious but uh (laughs) but he's like he's like he's like granddaddy you know i mean exactly right like it's like a that's you know (laughs) he gets a pass for some reason 
And again, there are other ones that I have enjoyed that did that um, as well, but it's just as a general rule, right? Um, whereas ones that are more fast paced, which is, I think, a lot of why I do, you know, enjoy a lot of YA. And I like to say that Among Thieves is an adult fantasy novel with YA pacing. Yeah, would you um, consider it? Um, because how how old are the characters? Like in their early twenties? Yeah, they're in their twenties. Like yeah. It ends up on YA lists a lot. Um, mm -hmm. like you know, here's the this YA fan. I see reviews, or I've have, have seen reviews that are like, oh, it's you know pretty good for a YA fantasy or whatever. And I'm always like, okay, you know, it's it's not YA. Um, the only thing that makes me nervous about people classifying it as YA is if someone's going to buy it for like their 12 year olds, and then <laughs> the 12 year old is going to be, <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to say, I like literally had to control F for fuck to cut some because my editor wanted me to, right? So like, it, it, there's a lot of swearing, there's a lot of violence and stuff. So like, you know, maybe don't give it to your preteen but that's why we but. invented the genre <laughs> new adult you know yeah right exactly and that's the thing because like if new adult was like a a genre that publishing accepted as a genre uh it probably would actually be new adult hmm. um but publishing doesn't like that box for whatever they reason will. they'll get into it they'll figure it out eventually it'll come around maybe <laughs> Um, is there a part of the writing process which gives you a lot of trouble? And specifically with Among Thieves, uh, were there any characters that were really difficult for you to write that you just, when you when you were like, okay, it's time to do, uh, you know, an, an, an Evelyn chapter, like, ah, dang, like I forgot this one wasn't quite where everyone else, like anything like that? Yeah. So, okay, for the first part of your question, the part of the writing process that I dislike the most is first drafts hmm. which sounds hilarious because it's like mj that's just writing uh but it's not <laughs> there's so much of the process that comes after that like i love world building i love outlining and creating you know figuring out the, the intricacies of the plot and then i love coming back in and doing the heavy edits and like reworking stuff and changing stuff around um but like i'm a drastic underwriter for my first drafts my first drafts frequently clock in at like sixty thousand words um and then I'll beef it up later. Uh, and it's because basically I'm just trying to rip the first draft band-aid as quickly as possible because I, I hate it. It makes me feel so stupid all of the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, totally. So yeah, that's my least favorite part. But then, you know, I think that's why the editing takes me so much longer because I do create a very messy first draft because I'm just trying to get it over with. Uh, and that's just part of my process, right? I create a messy first draft and then the editing is really where my writing happens, where it's like I... Uh, and I keep quoting people and not knowing who I'm quoting because I've read too many writing blogs. But there was uh, one blog I read one time that said their first draft is gathering sand. The second draft and beyond is building their sand castle. Hmm. And that's how yeah, I like to I think like of that. it. Right. Where it's like I'm just getting I'm assembling all my pieces. I'm getting all the players on the board. And then I'll actually write the story after there's some, you know, some stuff populating my pages um, for Among Thieves specifically. So, I, I mean, I, honestly, I loved writing raya and i liked writing evelyn um i could I think feel the their relationship i felt i felt like their yeah. relationship was like like um i liked nash a lot and like i liked all the stuff that was going on there but then it was like especially kind of as the book went on like evelyn and raya it was i, was, I really liked seeing them together so i, I feel that for sure Oh, well, then you are in for a treat with the sequel because there's Yay. a lot more Raya Evelyn time. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I love their pairing. I actually, their um, 
pairing, blossoming relationship kind of sort of romance that's that's blooming in, in Among Thieves was an accident. I didn't plan for that. That was something that just kind of happened on the page uh, as I was writing it, um, which was really fun. But I think the character that I had the hardest time writing chapters for was Ivan. Um, and it's because, so Ivan, I mean, A, he, he's a little more of a minor character. He's not, you know, he doesn't get quite as much screen time, <laughs> right? And the page time. Um, but also it was a little challenging because he is not a native speaker of the language the book is written in. Like it's written in English, obviously, but it's a... Uh, you know, common, Tamori common, right, is the language that they're speaking. Um, and he speaks Borean uh, and he has learned common, right? Um, so I I wanted to really make it come through, not just in his dialogue, but in the, in the prose in his chapter that just the way he kind of conceptualizes things and thinks through, you know, how he describes stuff. Uh, I wanted it to feel very like immersive that he is not a native speaker, that he's, you know, learned this language. Um, so, you know, maybe his phrasing is a bit more formal. Maybe he's not using contractions and slang and stuff like that. Um, which was, I mean, it was fun to, to do that as a little challenge. And I'm hoping that, um, you know, even if readers don't pick up on it, you know, cognitively, maybe that, you know, it, it gets in there, uh, hopefully somehow, uh, cause it took a long time to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just made it a little extra challenging because I had to like filter, uh, everything I was writing through that lens of like, okay, as you're writing this, MJ, pretend that English is not your first language, right? Like try to think it through as though, you know, the, those kind of colloquial things that just, you know, a native speaker will do in their own tongue. You got to cut that out if you can. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was, I think it's pretty ambitious and I hope that doesn't sound condescending. I just, I just like, it is very ambitious to take on so many POV chapters um in a debut novel you know because like i've i've tried it and it's really difficult like it's really really hard <laughs> in my opinion like to to just stick to a certain consistency uh yes. with one character you know i mean just having <laughs> just staying on track with one character is hard enough and then moving them around or not moving them around but uh moving around to different ones um which i think you did a great job at you know you think they feel distinct um which is an achievement in and of itself have you uh have you read any joe abercrombie i asked because i'm reading joe abercrombie right now i just finished last argument of kings yesterday Woo! uh and skin loved it yeah, so he's, good he's a master he is an absolute i literally master. so if you remember the chapter from that book the circle where oh, yeah. it's oh yeah Every yeah <laughs> I know exactly Literally, what you're talking about. I read that chapter and I'm like usually so I'm I'm a short chapter girly. Like I like me some short chapters. Like if a book has short ass chapters, I'm like, yes, you're my people. Uh and that's a long chapter. That's like it's like a 40-page chapter. But just the pacing, the voice, the plotting, all every I legitimately think that is the best single chapter of any fantasy novel I have ever read. Like so good um but yes i have read some Abercrombie. yeah you have <laughs> I, th I think he handles this this pov chapter is so well like they're just so they're incredible. in their own voice like i i aspire to get that like oh my god like he in he's my a opinion, master of I, character in general yeah, yeah like i think he's probably like one of the best writing like one of the best people working in fantasy today agreed uh joe abercrombie i would say uh robin hobb is probably like 
way yeah. up there as far and uh, actually um i think abercrombie's prose is better than robin hobbs personally um like robin hobb she's i feel like she like like her editor is just like you know you don't use like the same word three times in a paragraph and she's like fuck off i'm trying to do this like don't <laughs> like i know what she's i'm doing she's a big proponent of a stat for voice that's like yeah. that's like my favorite yeah when you're like no no no, i want to keep it sorry yeah. and she, she definitely um like she uses like a lot of uh at least i notice because i like nerd out on writing and stuff but i notice like she'll use passive voice sometimes and it's like, okay, Robin, you know that's against the rules, right? And she's just like, no. <laughs> and Robin's I like, I make my own rules. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, I respect as, that to be yeah, honest. I think, <laughs> man, she's she's so freaking great. But um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm about to finish up the uh, the Age of Madness trilogy by uh, Joe Abercrombie, and um, man, just kind of like in the same vein as Robin Hobb too, where it's like, you know, those rules are so meant to be broken for uh like stylistically and like he just does like what he feels you know um yeah he'll, he'll kind of like fragment sentences a lot um so he'll like he'll say like she you know she was strolling through the snow and then it'll be like a period and then she, it'll be like felt like icicles were stuck in her shoes or something like you know what i mean it, it's yeah. like you, it, the, the the proper way to do that would be right to, like you know keep that all as like one sentence and have it flow and like throw an ing word in there or something and make it look yeah. like everything else but like joe abercrombie is like nope i know exactly how i'm thinking this and this is how it sounds this is how this character thinks and he takes it that much further which makes it more unique which makes it flow better which makes it feel like it's coming from this character's head even though he is breaking some of those quote unquote rules. Yeah. Like, well, oh. I feel like once you understand the rules, like I think you have to so, go through a process, yeah. right? Where it's like, you have to learn the rules mm -hmm. and then learn when and how you want to break them. Um, and I think when you when you reach the the level that Abercrombie's at, like you could probably break any rule, right? Cause it's like, he, he, he knows all of them. And so like, I'm assuming he knows the, the best times to break them. Um, but yeah, that was like something when I was just starting out writing, um, that was actually like, I always say like my moment when I like, you know, began my real writing journey and like, wasn't just, you know, cause yeah. I'd written like three books at this point, but yeah. it was like when I like had just gotten bitch slapped into the ground. Right. And I was like devastated and, ah, oh, I can't do this. And, uh, and then I was like, I need to learn how to write a book. It's different from learning to write anything else. Like just because your English teachers always said your papers were great doesn't mean you know how to write a book. It's a different thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was when I started studying story structure and like mm -hmm. reading about the three act structure, reading Save the Cat, right? Mm -hmm. Reading all of that stuff that's and learning one. those building blocks. It is, it yeah, is. And that's the, the thing is it's yeah. like, you gotta learn the rules and then, you know, you don't always have to follow them, but I do think it's important to learn them before you break them. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, like, I didn't even know what Chekhov's gun was when I started writing. And like, I, I read about that and I was like, oh, that's a really, that's awesome, actually. Yeah. yeah like, or like a narrative symmetry, you know what I mean? Like, you want to have things kind of like, and this is all like, um, it, it's so funny because I feel like, um, you know, story structure has been fairly similar for a lot of like really popular stuff. I mean, you've got like, like your, your inciting incident, you know, your rising action climax falling action resolution stuff and that fits nicely into like your three-act structure and, and things like that um and you can get a lot of juice out of, you can squeeze so much juice out of that fruit oh yeah um but with grammar grammar is such a weird thing because it's like 
I just read Pride and Prejudice a couple months ago, and Jane Austen, I know you're not listening to this, but <laughs> you use so many commas where <laughs> there don't need to be, like by our standards, it's like, why would you put a comma there? That's such a weird <laughs> place to put a comma. But in the 1800s, that you you did put a comma or like someone edited that and said oh the, this needs a comma right here or you know yeah. or it's good that you put the comma there or whatever um so it's interesting going back and reading some of that like regency stuff or going back and even reading like lovecraft and stuff like that where it's like why what that's a weird sentence you know but <laughs> why is that see i'm a big proponent of um punctuation is not dictated by grammar it's dictated by vibes, vibes. and i'm sure my copy editors hate me <laughs> m dashes <laughs> <Because> everywhere like, <laughs> so many m dashes i literally actually the last project i just sent to my agent she sent it back and was like i need you to cut the number of ellipses in half <laughs> and i did i did it but oh, yeah like vibes. as i'm writing it is it's just like the vibes and i'll change it i'll change it to be right but yeah like when people are like oh that's a comma splice i'm like probably <laughs> i don't felt know good. it felt good i felt like i felt like emotionally i was pausing there so i put the comma in <laughs> whatever I, I have one of my habits that i've noticed is i'm constantly having people interrupt people like oh I, yeah and then I you do the dash yeah, i do that I too don't, I, I, it's like i know i know why i'm doing it you know, but I wonder sometimes it's like, dude, am I doing this like way too much? Because I just I want this conversation, like this specific conversation. Yeah. We'll roll, we want this rolling along. Like somebody's saying something dumb. Let's let's nip that in the bud. Let's you know cut them I mean? off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's like doing that so much. See, uh, that's what beta readers are for, though. They'll tell you. Yeah, they They'll tell you if the vibes are off. <laughs> So you've kind of touched on some advice, things like that, but is there any like formal advice that you would give to writers that are, that haven't ever written anything or, and then the kind of a second part of that is like, okay, you've got your manuscript, you feel confident about it. What the hell are you supposed to do now? You know? <laughs> yes. Okay. So <clears throat> my advice opinion. for part one. Yes. In my, well, yeah, I was gonna say my, my actually my, my stock writing advice is don't listen to writing advice, but like that's tongue in cheek ah. because it's just like, don't listen to dogmatic writing advice. Right. Like if anyone is like, you have to be a discovery writer because you can't be creative and on outline. I mean, fuck that. Some people can, or like if someone says you have to write every day because otherwise you're not a real writer, fuck that too. Like everybody has a different schedule and maybe you want to write 6,000 words on Saturday and not touch it for the rest of the week. And you know what? Live your dreams. Yep. Um, so yeah, but okay. So if someone hasn't written anything and they're interested or like whatever, they're just getting started. My advice is avail yourself of free resources on the internet. Um, <laughs> I read like every writing, I mean, not because there's a billion, but like every writing blog I could find. Um, I read all of them, uh, a ton, like, uh, Chuck Wendig's terrible minds. I read the shit out of that. Um, there's, uh, Pam Wyland's uh, Helping Writers Become Authors. That was a really good resource. I mean, there's there's a billion. Nathan Bransford, he's a, he used to be an agent um, and he has a bunch of writing resources. He also has resources for building query letters, which we can Ooh. talk in, yeah, in, yeah, in part two of this answer. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you don't need an, you know, an MFA to write a book. Uh, if you're balling on a budget, like I was and still am, <laughs> um, you can still learn 
for free on the internet. There's YouTube videos. Brandon Sanderson has YouTube series. Um, there's podcasts like this one. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much free information out there. And, and my advice is to take a shitload of it in and then filter it for what works for you. Because mm-hmm. you're going to read blogs uh, of people telling you to do things a certain way. And you're going to try it and you're going to be like, this feels not at all like my process. Um, and that's part of the process is going, okay, that's not part of my process. I'm not going to do that. Um, so the, yeah, that's my advice for for someone getting started out. Like just try, you know, we're, we're not going sniper rifle. We're going shotgun right now, right? Like just scatter yeah. shot, try everything and you'll find a process that works for you in the midst. It might be a little messy, uh, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Advice for people that have just finished a project and are looking to figure out what's next. Um, I would, if you haven't already done so, have someone edit it other than yourself. Uh, That doesn't mean you have to hire uh, an an editor. I didn't because again, fallen budget, you get it. Uh, (laughs) And editors, if you have the resources, they can be great, but they're very expensive. Um, Get a beta reader. Um, That's actually why I joined Twitter uh, originally was because I didn't know any writers in my real life at the time. Uh, and I needed to meet some so that I could trade beta reads with somebody um, that was also a writer or I wanted to do that, right? So you can find other writers and just say, hey, you read mine. And then when yours is ready, I'll read yours, give you notes. Um, if you've already done that, you're like, MJ, I already did all that. I already edited it. It's beautiful. It's the best I can make it. Decide the path that's right for you in publication. Uh, I'm I'm in the trad camp right now. That's not the only path. So many people go indie and they have great success. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's pros and cons to each camp. Neither is better or worse than the other. Um, it depends on you, your goals, and the book that you're writing. Um, you know, if you want to walk into any Barnes and Noble and see your book on the shelf, and that's important to you, uh, you're going to need to explore the Trad Pub option. Um, but if you want to retain full control of the cover art and it's really important to you to have the formatting a certain way and, you know, things like that, you should probably look into into indie because there's a lot of control you give up by accepting the distribution arm of trad. So, yeah, I think don't listen to anyone that tells you either option isn't valid. I think there's less of that now, which maybe I'm just like running with cooler people. But I feel like when I first started getting into writing, there was a lot of like, Ugh, self-pub is for hacks. Ugh, trad pub is for sellouts, right? Like I feel like there was a lot of that. Um, and I feel like there's less of that now. But if you hear people saying that, fuck that. It's terrible. It's stupid. <laughs> and just do what you want to do. <laughs> just do what you want to do. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> you had touched on uh, query letters. Uh, what was that process yeah. like? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I've actually been in the query trenches twice now um, because yeah, I mean like more than what, more than that, I guess, if you count the times I gave up and came back, but like gone through, got an agent, gone through, got an agent. Um, So the first time I went through, like I said, I, it was like my fourth or fifth book that actually got the agent. Um, And uh, it was a long time. I was in the query trenches for like three years at that point. Um, And it was stressful and awful and I really hated it. And then that agent last year, about this time, called me and was like, hey, I have news. I am leaving agenting. I am pursuing a different dream. Um, They went to like a theater school. They're doing something. And I'm so proud of them. They seem so happy. I still follow them on Instagram. Um, But like, I was definitely 
devastated because I was like, no, that's like my ally in publishing and they're leaving me. Um, but, uh, you know, it happens. People want to follow their own dreams. So I had to go back into the query trenches last summer <laughs> uh, when I had a book deal that was like in the works for Thick as Thieves and like, oh my gosh, it was incredibly stressful. Um, but and that time it went a lot quicker and I will not pretend to have advice for people on that because I know the reason why it went quicker is because I already had a book deal in the works. Um, and like, yes, my current agent read the book that I, you know, submitted to her and she liked it and she called me and we talked through it and she had the same vision for it as me. And like, that's, you know, why we ended up partnering. But I I don't pretend that I would have gotten an agent as quickly as I did this time if I didn't have those advantages, right, of already having a foot in the door. Um, but yeah, it's stressful out there, man. It's... Yeah. <laughs> So if you're in the query trenches, hang in there. Post-COVID, everything is even slower. And um, it's awful, but you've got this. <laughs> you've got this. Right. And keep writing in the meantime. Yes, so. that's the biggest thing. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for saying that because that is my number one querying advice. And I can't believe I forgot to say it. <laughs> Work on something else. because and, and that's true for when you're on sub. That's true for when you're debuting. That's true for every stage in the process. Because if you have shiny, pretty new thing that this is my new baby, um, then people shitting on your old baby feels less shitty. It's funny, like writing the idea of it years ago when I had first kind of started doing it, just the idea of doing it. And this still happens, obviously, sometimes, and I'm sure it still happens for you. But now that I've felt what it feels like to be in the flow state and be in the zone and have scenes work, and not only one scene, but two, three, four scenes work at, with each other, that's I mean, and you know, you you've you've got a dialogue going, a new idea comes up that works and it not only works, but it 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 helps the story along and everything. And like once you're in that flow state and you're immersed just like you would be if you were reading something, you're chasing that high now and like and you're you're happy you're excited to do it. Now it's oh it's yeah, not, it's not every single time. <laughs> Sometimes I no, really don't but you're bought write. in for life now, yeah, right? Exactly. Like that is it's it's a bug. You catch it. And mm -hmm. that's you know what? This is I'm gonna bring up a kind of probably controversial topic. Sorry, you can cut it if you want. Yeah. I can cut, <laughs> um, I can cut all of this. It could be a 15 minute. Right. Episode. Like I can just cut your whole interview <laughs> if you piss me off. No. Uh <laughs> but so with like I have uh, a platform. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, we've seen the the discourse around um you know using ai tools to write books and like there's there people are creating ai tools capable of writing long form content and it cracks me up because why would you skip the fun part yeah no why would yeah. you skip the fun part like literally the first time i saw that tool i cracked up and i was like okay who's going to tell them the people that use this tool to write their novel that publishing is actually the shit part. Like that's the part that's awful. Like, and it's not fun. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like full of a bunch of, you know, if you go the trad route, it's like a lot of waiting and rejection and, you know, bureaucracy and la la la. And if you go the self pub route, I assume it's a lot of uh, stress and minutia and like lining stuff up and details. And like Money. the fun part is the creating. Why would you skip that step? Yeah. So that. <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah. Like it, it, it really is. is. And that's why we do it, right? The yeah. only reason why someone would put themselves through the stress that is writing books is if they felt that flow state you're talking about and that magic that comes when the pieces click together and you're like, holy shit, this works. Whoa, uh, I've got something here. Yeah. 
Exactly. And And that you're right. It is a high and you will chase it for forever once you feel it. (laughs) Not to say that there aren't lows because, oh yeah, man, (laughs) oh my God, I have been, I have been, I'm sure (laughs) you have too. There's some frustrating parts where you're like, why did I ever think that this like was even the middle half of every book oh sorry the we have doldrums. a cat visitor hey, kitty uh, yeah the uh His name is thor and oak and shield cute. adorable <laughs> and he's gray he's a great right <laughs> um yeah like man yeah that middle part where it's like even if you have an ending it's like yeah good luck getting there right now you know i mean exactly. you're you're in there now and everything you add is just making it more complicated and giving more plot holes and you're just digging yourself deeper mm-hmm. and- <laughs> and it's the worst well that's what i always think about i think it was ve schwab i've i watched an interview once that said they're processing the writing chapter is completely out of order and like just with index cards and picking which one they inspires that day right and like just writing that scene and i'm like oh my god i wish that could be my process like i can't write out of order i have to write completely linearly um and there are so many times like when you're in those middle chapters where you're like oh my god like this is such a slog i hate this i just want to write the fun climax part and you can't because you're still like thirty thousand words away from it um you ever step yeah, away? Like, do you ever? Do you ever? Th- do you ever have like days <clears throat> or phases where you're like, "All right, I'm gonna put this down. I can't bang my head up against it anymore. Like, I'm gonna read and play video games. I'm, I'm gonna maybe write like, uh, just like a snippet of something completely different and just like something really cool. You know? Do you ever have those kinds of moments? Yeah. So I've been lucky and unlucky. Uh, so unlucky in the sense that I. I'm not under contract for anything right now, but lucky in the sense that I'm not under contract for anything right now. Like I can do whatever I want. Right. So it's, you know, it's both. Um, but I always have at least two projects going at the same time. Usually like right now it's four, I have four projects, um, that I'm working on simultaneously. Yeah. And it is, it's because I have raging ADHD and I do, I guess I lose the fixation on a story and then I can't like I phase physically can't right (laughs) and so when that happens uh i personally and there are many people that take a break and that is probably healthier so Mm -hmm. like do as i say or yeah do as i say not as i do (laughs) um it's probably healthier to just take a break altogether but i get really depressed if i'm not actively working on a book like if i take more than like two or three days off like i will really genuinely like Mm -hmm. sink into like deep depression it's super healthy uh so (laughs) i i like to be able to switch gears so it's like okay like right now I'm working on um, a high fantasy novel, a kind of a, a new heisty project, um, a cyberpunk novel and a diesel punk novel. Um, and so it's like, okay, well, if one, if I'm trying to work on cyberpunk and it's just not hitting or it is, you know, it's great, but it's with beta readers right now, right? Like, you know, I'm in a place where I can't do anything with it. Well, now I'm going to, you know, tap out a couple thousand words on my diesel punk today. And you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, that's my trick. For our listeners, could you explain diesel punk? Because uh, that's a new one. Is that like it's steampunk, dope. but like more motory? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. That's exactly what it is. Okay. It's like, okay, so like if steampunk is like inspired by like, you know, the 20s, but like retro futurism, sure. yeah. this is more inspired by 
uh, the 30s retrofuturism. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, it's great. Oh, The Grand Dark by Richard Cadry. If you haven't read it, it's incredible. It I know your TBR is so short. You don't have enough books oh on it. So you're welcome. I'm helping you. Thank you. I was looking for <laughs> um, stuff to read. Right? You're like, oh, I had nothing. As you have like wow. 600 books on your shelf behind you. I haven't um, counted them but yeah. in so long. Like, I don't know. There's so like, many. I got so many like for my birthday. I'm worried for the structural integrity of your bookshelves oh my God. looking so, at them like, right now. <laughs> I don't know if you can see. So like uh, you see this. Oh, it's all mirrored. Uh, so this there's for our listeners at home. Uh, the, I have a shelf and you might have seen it in some of my videos. And it's all mass market paperbacks and they're stacked horizontally. Yeah. Um, so there's it's a very big stack of them. And I've got a double stack of vertical books in front of those. But that whole <laughs> back layer is all mass market. So I was adjusting something on this shelf and it fell. But no, I have but... so many mass markets stacked under <laughs> this holding <laughs> it up that it just it <laughs> felt like I it, I had like this little half second panic attack and <laughs> it fell like half an inch and everything was fine because yeah. I have so many of them. But now under. that's a load bearing oh stack God, of mass market so paperbacks. Funny. Just remember that before you pull one out. <laughs> well, I'm moving. Um, I'm moving in a couple months. Uh, to a different part of town, and um it's been it's been communicated to me very um very nicely by my partner that some of these books gotta go because oh no <laughs> and it was, dude i would it, say moving books is the worst yeah yeah <laughs> I, I think if i wasn't moving with that conversation wouldn't happen but uh like i i, I agree like I, I gotta i'm gonna have a moving sale uh and just kind of like <laughs> there you go yeah, you can make some cash for you oh, know man. your new security deposit or whatever and <laughs> i think i'm just gonna sell stop. Some of those books like i think i'm just gonna stop buying like trade paperbacks of stuff that's like it's like yeah i i want to read it but like i'm just gonna buy it on my kindle like you know what I mean? like i'm gonna yeah. keep buying hardcovers you know and like kind of like bigger like i'm not gonna get rid of my expanse books you know those are all trade paperbacks but like yeah i want i want those expanse books and but i think i'm going to kind of shift my collection to like mostly hard covers and like special editions and stuff like that right and then just like i've got like song of achilles over here and i, I love that book but like why do i need that in paperback you know what i mean like it's just yeah i mean some people do well, that's, for sure well like, that's what i was gonna say like my uh so my co-host on on my podcast he lives in ecuador um and so he has very few physical copies of books he he does he'll he'll get everything on his e-reader and then only like either friends books or like yeah. his favorites are the ones that he'll then invest in a physical copy just to have um and that's like a good way to do it it's like a very curated collection i feel like at that point um, i wonder if so that's kind of where the industry's headed i'm, I'm kind of that that's kind of like one of my last questions for you is like you know as somebody that's involved in the industry like where do you think you know first of all like uh publishing physical copies of books like where do you think that's headed and secondly like where do you what what phase of fantasy do you think we're kind of in right now or entering into as far as you've observed those are great questions so i would like to think we're never going to lose physical copies because i'm mm. one of those like annoying people that <laughs> I do not like e-readers. Um, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I literally only have one because as, like, a bookish content creator and an author, like, I now get a lot of advanced copies. And I got really sick of reading NetGalley arcs on my laptop. And so I literally bought an e-reader just for that. And pretty much all I read on my e-reader is arcs. I, I 
I'm just annoying. I like a physical book. Um, So I really hope they never go away. (laughs) I really, and that's the thing is I know that they're more expensive and they're, I totally get the draw of the e-reader and I wish I liked it more because God, I spent too much money on books. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, so I hope they don't go away. I do think that the the market is going to shift away from hardcovers at least for a while. So um, I I know a lot of people where it's yeah where it's releasing actually my sequel is releasing only in paperback hmm. they are not doing a hardcover release which i was frustrated by uh because the first one came out in hardcover so then i'm like yeah. oh my god there's gonna be so many people that can't get a matching set now and that's annoying for them yeah, um but sure. like that's just the the market is moving that direction where it's you know with all the supply chain issues and the shortages and stuff it's easier to produce paperbacks and they're a lower price point and with inflation and blah 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 people have less money to spend more people are buying paperbacks um so that is my prediction for where the market is going Hmm. um i completely forget the second half of your question but i remember it was a very good one (laughs) okay where do you think um uh where do you think fantasy is right now and like where do you think it's gonna where do you think it's going because i have an answer to it but i want to hear yours first and everybody's heard me talk about it. Yeah, well, that's, I'm I'm curious to hear your answer because I feel like you read more broadly in the genre than I do, where it's like, I just kind of have my stuff that I like. So I think I have a really slanted view. Mm-hmm. I think fantasy is, uh, I I guess maybe I'm wrong because I was going to say, I feel like Grimdark is, is in. Um, but then you got, you know, Legends and Lattes. You mm-hmm. got, you know, TJ Klune. You got a lot of, of cozier stuff um, kind of popping up as well. Um, so maybe it is going to cozy fantasy, but I just think it's staying grimdark because grimdark is my baby and I love it. <laughs> I will read grimdark wish, forever. Wishful thinking on your part. Yeah, I um I think I mean Grimdark is <clears throat> Grimdark will be around, you know, people like like every I, every time I go on Reddit or even TikTok or Instagram, there's always a post that's just like, give me something that's going to fuck me up. You know what I mean? Like people yeah. want that fairly visceral, like dark uh, tone to what they're reading. Um, I think um, the, the genre broadly, I think, um, is moving. I think you're right about Cozy. I think Cozy is big right now. I think um, a little more broadly than that, even. Um, I think we're going to see kind of a return to not necessarily pulpy, but I think we're going to see a return to that, like a little bit more lighthearted and a little wider and deeper, um, like world building, but with the kind of like fast pace of more contemporary stuff. So like, we'll see kind of that, that like late eighties, early nineties kind of sword and sorcery vibe. I think that's going to come back really big in the next few years. Um, and but it but it's not gonna be as like plotting you know as some like right some, like, not Tad as doorstoppery maybe yeah, maybe not um yeah. I think we might see more duologies we might see more standalones but standalones in a concurrent series or like in the shared world or whatever um but I think that kind of in a res- like a response to like COVID and just kind of like the political climate and stuff like that I think that a lot of people are kind of looking to escape into something that's not necessarily like world ending stakes and not necessarily yeah. like um which i mean i'll read world ending stakes like all day i mean i love epic yeah fantasy. but i think but no think, like small stakes i totally got you yeah, yeah but still like meaningful you know what i mean like yeah yeah, like, yeah. 
uh, kind of small just, doesn't mean low. Yeah, no, exactly. For sure. But I think that, mm -hmm. um, you know, like we're always going to have the Joe Abercrombies. We're always going to have the Mark Lawrence's where, you know, but um, I think we're going to get a little more whimsical with it. Do you find that, you know, you have read some reviews, you can't help yourself. Does it have an effect on the way you draft? Does it have an effect on the way you edit? Do you, is it hard to not let it or are you fine with letting it? Like what's the, what's your boundary there? Yeah. So I feel like every writer is going to have a different boundary. Um, I've heard some writers that say they like to read reviews and take it as feedback and incorporate it. Um, personally, I don't do that. Um, for a couple of reasons. A, I don't like to enter review spaces as like the author at all. Um, I mean, obviously you should never like engage with the reviews, but I don't even like reading them A, for my own mental health, but B, because they aren't actually for me. Yeah, They're for totally. other readers, you know, to help them filter out and decide whether or not this book is something they might like um, based on what other readers have said. Um, the other reason for me though, is I, you know, I do get feedback while I'm working, um, but I get it from it's solicited feed. I feel like just for myself, it's like, would I take unsolicited feedback on my appearance on the street? And like, you know, if I'm on the street and some random person that I don't know and doesn't know me is like, that's the ugliest shirt I've ever seen. Am yeah. I going to never wear that shirt again if I really like it? No, of course not, because yeah. I don't know that person and they don't know me. Uh, and I do feel a little bit that that's how book reviews are, where it's like, just because my book isn't for this person, that doesn't mean I need to change everything I'm doing um, about, that's you know great. what I mean? Yeah. And, so, and again, that's just my personal opinion. I know other people do it differently. Um, and that doesn't mean that the feedback that people are giving isn't well thought out and might not be valuable, um, but it's just, you You're know, I don't know the reviewer. Yeah. Right. And I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know what their taste is. And that's why like I, you know, I get feedback uh, when I'm doing my drafting from readers and writers that I know are a fan of the same kind of books that I am. Totally. So I know they understand what I'm trying to to produce um, and I trust that they can help me produce it. Um, so like we talked a little bit earlier about, um, you know, readers that are reading Among Thieves because they saw it comp to Throne of Glass and then they're upset that it's not more of a romanticy. Um, and I'm not, I'm not looking to create romanticy. I don't like writing romance at all. I really, really hate writing romance. <laughs> um, you know, like there's some very, very light romance in Thick as Thieves. And it took me so long to write it because I am just about as romantic as a cardboard box uh, as a human. Uh, and you know what I mean? Like, and there's nothing wrong with romance. It's just not something I like. So if I were to take that feedback and maybe I could make, you know, a lot more money if I took that feedback and ran with it. I don't know, but I would hate writing it and doing it so to me it's not worth it it wouldn't be genuine i don't know yeah so, exactly i would feel genuine. like i was creating something that wasn't uh what i wanted to create um so yeah that's that's all <laughs> well i'm glad that you did create what you did create the way that you created it and uh folks if you're <laughs> listening right now i mean uh definitely go check out among thieves like go buy it support the author and everything the new book comes out july 25th there it is. <laughs> and you can you can actually pre-order a copy today, which I'm sure helps with the whole Yeah, pre-orders are so important. Yeah. Uh, we don't think about them that often. But And I also, I'm, I've actually got an awesome partnership with a local bookshop. Um, it's an indie bookstore. They're incredible. It's called Sidetrack uh, Bookstore uh, here in Michigan. And uh, 
they are doing a pre-order campaign with me where if you pre-order through them, which the links are in my bios and stuff, um, you get a signed copy of the book and some like little bookish freebies um, thrown oh. in uh, with your copy. So um, yeah, if you're looking for just like extra little bonus stuff uh, with your book, um, pre-order from there. Cool. <laughs> I'll be sure to put the link for that in the description for this episode and also all of your social stuff, your TikTok, your Instagram, all that sort of stuff. And it'll be really easy for all of you to find. I'll label it very nicely and succinctly Yay. for everybody. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode. This was really fun. Thank you so much for coming on, MJ. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This has been like a super fun discussion. Honestly, oh, yeah. one of the most fun I've had on a podcast. Yeah, it's been great. Oh, we know, <laughs> we know what we're doing here on Book Reviews, Kill. <laughs> because we didn't for a while <laughs> <laughs> but anyway everybody thank you so much for listening i hope you have an awesome rest of your day and of course happy reading bye <laughs> <laughs>